Shinzen Young says that in life, suffering equals pain times resistance. And in life, pain is inevitable. That's a part of being human, but suffering is optional. And we are going to suffer the degree to which we resist the pain that's present. Hey guys, welcome to the Blue Rose Podcast, where the focus is moving towards things that feel good. Every week, we explore different topics in outdoors, travel, balance, wellness, with the common theme of following your passions. Join me, your host, as I share stories from all over the world. This podcast is all about embracing new experiences and turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. Thank you so much for having me today, Becca. For those who are listening and don't know me, my name is Holly Zazier, and I am the host of the How the Wise One Grows podcast um, and the founder of Connect Wellness. So for the last like over 10 years, I have been sharing what heals me with others through yoga and mindfulness. So before we get into today's conversation, um, we're going to just take a moment to ground together and have a mini mindful moment. So just take a moment to situate yourself wherever you are. And I like to use the five senses to drop into the present moment. So maybe use your sense of sight right now to notice where you are in the room or outside. <laughs> Notice any objects around you. If it feels safe and if you aren't driving, you can gently rest your eyes or soften your gaze at a point in front of you. Notice any sounds that you can hear. Feel the wind on your skin. Notice where your body meets the earth and know that you're held here. Know that the earth has you. Notice where in your body that you feel the breath as it moves in and as it flows out. Let's take three deep breaths together. Inhale, fill the chest, fill the belly with air. And exhale, open your mouth, let it all out. Again, inhale, fill the chest, fill the belly with air. Exhale, let it go. One more inhale and exhale. And then release control over the breath as you surrender to the natural rhythm and intuition of the breath. And again, notice where your body is met and held by the earth beneath you. 
and you can slowly open your eyes as we return to this space. Thanks for doing that with me. Wow. I feel ready for my day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love starting any conversation that way. That is so good. Wow. (laughs) Sometimes I forget how powerful breathing is. I don't know if you ever get this, but sometimes you notice that your breaths are so short. And you're just like, Mm -hmm. why can I not just like take a second and, and breathe? Yeah, and... The breath has such an impact on our nervous system and our body and our mind. So something that I didn't know until I started getting really into mindfulness and breath work in particular is that the inhale is associated with your sympathetic nervous system, which is like your fight or flight response. And your exhale is associated with your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest, tend and befriend. It tells the body and the mind that it's safe, that you can relax. Mm-hmm. And most people live in the inhale. We live in the inhale. We live in those short breaths. We hold our breath. But when we can really focus on deepening the breath and really the exhale, we're like communicating through the nervous system, telling our body and our mind on a cellular level that we are safe and we can relax, which I think everyone needs that more and more in the world today. Yeah. Yeah. I know I do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How did you get into mindfulness and when did you kind of find your breath Mm. so I started practicing yoga when I was in high school I was um at a rough point in life feeling like I had kind of lost myself and I remember stepping on the mat and taking a class with my dear friend and teacher and feeling like I had dipped my toe in something that I needed to submerge into. Mm -hmm. And it brought me back home to myself. I just felt more connected to myself than I had in a long time. So I dabbled in yoga for a few years. And then when I got to college, I took a, my first meditation course. And I remember the professor saying that, um, a friend is someone you waste enough time with. And mindfulness and meditation hold space for you to waste, spend time with yourself to become that friend to yourself. And I was kind of like, damn, like, I want to be my own friend in this life. I actually want to know this person that I'm moving through this life with. Um, So in college is where I really deepened my practice and got my teacher training. Um, And then it was mostly yoga focused for me for quite some time. And I will say in the last probably six years, six, seven years is when I've really delved into mindfulness and particularly the breath. I actually think when I got COVID myself was when I really leaned into working with the breath as a tool for healing my body and mind. Okay. Okay. So how long have you had your, um, Cause you said that you founded this like wellness space, which I actually didn't, I didn't know. I saw that on your um, profile, but I didn't realize that you were the founder of it. 
Yeah, so I had worked at a yoga nonprofit for a while, and then I started stepping into teaching more and more on my own. And I started Connect Wellness, where I mostly work with companies and organizations and individuals on providing yoga and mindfulness um, classes and programs. So I've been doing that for about five or six years now as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, amazing. Well, I want to go back to what you said about the being your own friend. Um, mm-hmm. So honestly, I just want you to explain that a bit more. And I want to dive into that a little bit, because I know that when we talked, um, I just I think, like I said to you, I've just been very interested in the idea of communication and language lately. And I think it was because, like the other day, I was walking, and I don't even remember where I was, but I you know, when something just kind of like pulls your attention, um, and there was this couple and they were, they were just talking, but they were like really sharp with each other. And in my mind, like, I just had like a very beautiful experience with one of my good friends and just the way that we were communicating. And I just thought about that. And in my head, I was like, I'm so grateful that no matter what has happened in my life, like with this person, we have like never once spoken to each other in like a hurtful or harmful way. And it's like one of the only people in my life that I feel like I can like say anything to and it mm-hmm. won't be taken in like a negative way. It'll just be like, okay, that's how you're feeling. And so I just, this this couple just like pulled my attention and I was just like, oh my God, we should not be speaking to each other like that. And then it just got me thinking about how we speak to ourselves and like if maybe we spoke to ourselves a little bit better then maybe we wouldn't speak to other people like that. And so, yeah, I guess that's why I wanted to talk about communication. I'm so excited that we get to talk about communication today. I don't know if you're into astrology at all. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, So my um, Mercury, which is your house of communication, is in Pisces. And so it's very like Pisces is water, very like otherworldly, very esoteric and... um, we're coming up on a full moon in Pisces right now. So I was like, it just feels like I'm supposed to talk about communication. It's funny funny you say that. I had dinner with my friend last night and she was like, my life is like so chaotic, but my friend told me that Mercury's in retrograde and Pisces and she's a Pisces. And she was like, I'm, that's why, like, that's why my, it was just funny. (laughs) I mean, that's the way we're communicating on a level with the natural world too, is like getting to understand ourselves through that modality. Um, but yeah, like leaning into communication when you first sent that, I have like really first started to think about, so if we're going back to that story about becoming friends with yourself through meditation, like the person that you're talking most to yourself, most to is yourself, right? Like we are talking to ourselves all day, all the time, and we don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. And that's where mindfulness really comes in is you start to actually listen to yourself and the way that you're communicating. And rather than being so caught up in that thought or that way of communication, you can unhook. And for a moment, you can maybe just see like from a bird's eye view, the way you're talking to yourself. Maybe it's like, whoa, I'm viewing that couple right now, but that's the way I'm talking to myself. You can see it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, then you can make a choice. Like, is this how I actually want to meet myself? Or do I want to do something different? Is this in alignment with who I want to be? 
I often ask myself like, man, am I talking the way to myself that I would talk to my friend right now? And often the answer is no. So that's kind of like my check-in of like, let's change the way we're talking to Holly right now. And it's not about all of a sudden being like, oh, I, I like to call it my mean girl soundtrack in my head. It's like, <laughs> it's not like all of a sudden I can just like turn that soundtrack on. I'm not off. I'm not trying to eliminate it. I'm not even trying to change it because if I do that, I'm creating more resistance and more tension and that thought's going to build and build. Mm-hmm. But I try to focus on planting new seeds. Like, how do I want to show up instead? So instead of trying to eliminate that thought pattern, I try to replace it with a different one. So if I notice like this thought in my head that's saying like, you're not good enough, no one cares about you, then I'm like, hmm, is that even true right now? Like, (laughs) is that helpful? Is it helpful? Is it true? And then what is in alignment with what I actually believe. So mm-hmm. I'll replace that. Like, you know, that feels hard right now, but you can give yourself stepping stones. Maybe you're not like, I am the, maybe your mind can't get to the point where you're thinking like, I am the most wonderful, beautiful, perfect person in the world. Like maybe your mind can't make that leap, even if you are that person. Mm-hmm. So maybe you start with, you know what, like, my friend Becca really cares about me and loves me. And I finished this task yesterday and like, I am worthy or I, whatever it is that's going to help you gradually get there can help to build that new neural pathway and make it stronger. So instead of falling into that default mode network of that mean girl soundtrack, you start to have stronger roots with the way you want to communicate with yourself. And I often find that the way we communicate with ourselves reflects into how we communicate with others. Okay, that was the question I had in my head. I was like, I'm curious about that because I that I don't know what I haven't really thought about that before. Like I know that that's a thought that maybe like subconsciously has existed, but I've never taken a moment to just like stop and think about that and be like, maybe this person is like being really rude to me. But, like, they're also probably really rude to themselves. And I don't know why that just made me have a little more empathy for people. um, Yes. In a way, because I was just thinking about, like, it must be exhausting every day to, like, be that mean to yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, nine times out of ten, really maybe ten times out of ten, the way that someone is treating you isn't a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. Yeah. Um, I taught ceramics for a number of years and I really found that watching the way people met and worked with the clay was a mirror for how they were meeting and working with themselves. And it's a little bit easier to see when it's an inanimate object than when it is like another human being. But I think that applies there too. And I mean, I notice like... I can treat my friends um, from this deep place of compassion, but in intimate partnership and in my marriage, like I find sometimes I'm like, oh no, I am treating you the way I treat me right now. And that's not like, I don't want to treat me that way. And I certainly don't want to treat you that way. So that's like a time to check in of like, oof, I'm being critical of you. How critical am I being of myself right now? Yeah. Inclining me to do that. I was actually thinking about this idea of mirroring as well, but I'm curious about what you mean, though, by, like, mirroring it in clay. Like, are you saying that, like, if the person is throwing the clay down and, like, being super aggressive, then, like, they're aggressive with themselves? Or, like, and if they're gentle, then maybe they're more gentle with themselves? Is that... 
honestly yeah (laughs) I um uh, I oddly enough like one night my siblings came over for dinner and I have a wheel in my sunroom and I was teaching them how to throw and it was just so funny to me because I've always had this thought experiment with my students of like I'm gonna learn so much about you from the way you handle this process of learning how to throw but I don't already know these people but Mm -hmm. with my siblings it's like I know you and now it's confirmed (laughs) the things I thought to be true so like my brother is just the most intense person in everything he does and that is what makes him like the magical person that he is but watching him throw the clay like there is no medium touch it is like all or nothing he is not touching the clay or he is using his fullest effort and finding balance is a struggle for him in life so it was really interesting trying to get him to be like how can we find a balance with our touch with clay Mm -hmm. and really like how frustrated someone is getting with themselves because clay is hard to work with and a lot of it is about like surrendering to it co-creating with it being okay with like especially when you're learning that it's not going to be perfect and a lot of people have a really big barrier with that um and you can really see that so it's like if you're getting this upset about with yourself about the way you're working with something you've never done before working with clay how are you meeting yourself when like that project you turned in didn't turn out perfectly or yeah whatever that scenario might be it's interesting you say that because I think I told you that I went to a clay camp um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and I so I went to a clay camp with like eight-year-olds ten-year-olds um and that was the most fascinating thing it was really fun but it was so fascinating because like some of them you know the like nine-year-old boys are like chucking it against the wall just like Mm -hmm. it was such aggression and then like there's like the the girls that are so shy and they're like over here being like is this okay like is this good and then you have like the ones that are like in between and then there was me and I was just like laughing because I was like I'm so bad at this like this is hilarious Mm -hmm. because all these nine-year-olds are like really better than me yeah, and it kind of goes back to our like our default mode network. Like it's that default that we fall into. And when we're doing something new, that can become really apparent. Yeah. So do you think it mirrors then in all areas of our life? I never like to say like overarching things like all or all the yeah. time. But yeah. I would I would say like there's probably a correlation there in most mm-hmm. cases. What about mirroring for yourself? Do you practice mirroring with an actual mirror? Mm. Talk to me about that a little more. What do you mean by that? I, do, I just, I have a friend that talks a lot about mirroring and I don't, I guess I've never really done that, but like she stands in a mirror and like uh-huh. in order to, I, I don't know, it's like having someone else speak the things back to you that you want because you're in a mirror and there's something about like staring at yourself when mm, you say mm-hmm. these things rather than just saying them. And like if I were to close my eyes right now and just be with myself and say like, you're doing amazing, but there's something yeah. very different about standing in a mirror and saying it to yeah. yourself. And looking yourself in the eye. Yeah. I will say I, t- I typically do it more when I'm seated in meditation but I I do sometimes when I'm feeling really powerful or really vulnerable I will look myself dead in the eye in the mirror and like see what comes up and that kind of is scary (laughs) to be perfectly honest um but I remember one time 
before I was going on like a first date, I was super nervous. One of my friends pulled me into the bathroom, made me look in the mirror and scream at the top of my lungs. I'm awesome. Like five times. And I did that. And then I was like, oh yeah, we got this. (laughs) You're like, I'm awesome. Exactly. So sometimes I do that still. And I definitely think there's something to to that of really like making the choice of what you want to believe and looking yourself in the eye and telling yourself that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love that. I love knowing what other people do to like hype themselves up mm-hmm. um, because it's a it's a really powerful thing. And so you said you mentioned vulnerability. Talk to me about that a bit because vulnerability is something that's very hard. And looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, "Yeah, I'm awesome. I'm beautiful." It's a quite it's a quite vulnerable thing to do, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite hard to do. And so I'm wondering how you've found a way to be more vulnerable in in your daily life and then also maybe in the relationships that you have so I have recently been rereading Tarbrock's radical acceptance okay and this is where I think vulnerability really comes in I think so there's so Shinzen Young says that in life suffering equals pain times resistance and in life Pain is inevitable. That's a part of being human, but suffering is optional. And we are going to suffer the degree to which we resist the pain that's present. Ooh. Yeah. And in Radical Acceptance, Tarbrock is talking all about how we just need to say yes to all of it. This is kind of what I said about before in the mind. It's not about changing the thoughts in the mind. It's saying yes to them and then just like um, steeping them in compassion is how I see it. And then we can add in as well. But we don't want to eliminate any part of ourself because it's a part of the human experience and we can't eliminate it. By trying to do so, we only further the degree to which we suffer. And... I think it's really important to remember, too, that like all humans experience pain and suffering. So when I lean into that and I see that if I'm feeling this really hard thing, too, if I can remember that I'm not alone in it, that helps. And it makes me feel more inclined to be vulnerable and share it because if I've had this feeling in some way, on some level, I believe it's going to connect with someone else. Um, so that's been a big spark of why I choose to be vulnerable through like on social media, on my podcast and, and sharing these things is because I think that gets us to the root of our core common humanity. And when you hear that you're not alone in it, um, you're less likely to try to resist it. You're going to suffer less when we're not resisting mm-hmm. and maybe you'll share it too. So I think when we can just really lean into accepting all that's here, even the hard parts, even the parts of ourselves that we don't love, even the things that we wish didn't happen or weren't there, if we can release the resistance around it, fully accept it, and by accept it, I don't mean we don't like still work towards change when change is necessary, but we accept what already is, we um embrace the present moment and then use our full energy and awareness to transform it um and then steeping it in compassion i think compassion is the secret sauce to all of it can you say that quote one more time 
suffering is pain times resistance. And in life, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And you're going to suffer the degree to which you resist the pain that's present. Recently, I've started to, like you're saying, like ex- you have to accept it. I've started to like take a deep breath when things, you know, like aren't going right or, you know, I'm being really negative about myself or something and I'm like okay I need to take a deep breath and then like in my head I'm like okay I Mm. accept this I accept that this is happening and I know that there's there's been like some very like emotional moments lately and allowing yourself to kind of be like okay I'm I'm happy about this like I'm okay with this because maybe maybe you don't have to be happy about it but like I think sometimes I'm like happy to feel sad because I'm like okay like this is part of it this is part Mm -hmm. of the experience and reminding yourself too of this Mm -hmm. too shall pass okay maybe I feel like this today like maybe I'm not loving myself maybe I'm feeling some anger maybe I'm feeling some aggression but you can remind yourself that like you don't always have Mm -hmm. to feel that way you can slowly start to change that if that's what Mm -hmm. you want to do Yeah, I like to remind myself, like, kind of what you were saying before, when I have those things arise, I kind of try to repeat in my head, like, and this too. Like, I'm going to be here for this too. I'm going to apply my practice here too. And then I often try to remind myself not to state chase. Like, state chasing, trying to be one way or feel one way all the time is often what causes a lot of suffering as well. So when we can acknowledge that like this is flowing through me and it, it's here, it's going to have to flow through. So rather than tensing up around it, resisting, it's just going to get bigger when I do that. But if I can open up to it, let it flow through, just like you said, this too will pass and it'll come back, but it'll pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you found that? Like, because you said you were married. You know, because it's one thing to communicate with yourself and tell yourself that, like, this is how I'm feeling. But then how is that to communicate that to a partner? hard. <laughs> you know, I, I think yeah. um, it's the hardest work I've ever done because over the years I've gotten pretty good at, like, self-regulating, knowing what I need to do to take care of myself, to handle myself, to balance myself, Um but then when there's a whole other person in the play all the time, like you're accounting for where they're at too, like you're impacting one another. And the way I, I am working on getting there is seen as like, I need to hold my gravity here. Like I have to, and my partner's encouraged. This is, I'm someone who has a tendency for codependency. He's really good about like pausing me in that and making like each of us take care of ourselves as individuals so that when we meet, we can be two whole people when we're coming together and communicating, but it doesn't always happen like that. And sometimes like I am a more emotive communicator by far and we communicate in different ways. Like my communications in Pisces, his is in Virgo. So he's like, wants to be structured where I'm like, let's talk about the depths of the earth all the time. <laughs> like He's like, what? He's like, but, this is too much for a Tuesday night. Exactly. <laughs> but it can become about learning like the other ways someone's communicating. So like I show communication through words, but he will show it through like actions or like playing some music that he's into or different things like that it can be about really learning how to 
open up your lens of the way that someone else is communicating and acknowledging that communication happens beyond language. You know, it happens through facial expression, through body language, through touch, through sound, um, through so many Mm -hmm. things. So leaning into the full scope of what communication can look like and attuning to all of that. And does he share this, I guess, the ability to self-regulate and like these practices of being self-aware? Um, it's my like what I've done all the day, all day, every day for so long. So not to the same extent, but like, yeah, he's, he knows how to self-regulate. Do we both have moments where we don't? Yes. And like, we have to check each other or be like, I can't, I really think it's important to normalize like pausing in conversation. Like if we're both heated, if I'm able to like drop in and be like, this isn't helpful right now, you're not regulated. I'm not regulated. So I'm going to put this conversation on pause and step away until we're both able to regulate and come back. Like, I think we get into trouble when people try to like, when we're in that intense heat moment and we continue to try to communicate in that way. I think it's really important when we're talking with others to like, I like to remind myself of something called halt and I don't do this all the time. I should do it more, but it's like, if something intense is coming up, Ask yourself if you're hungry, if you're angry, if you're lonely, and if you're tired. Nine times out of ten, one of those is true. So try to meet that need before you proceed. So, like, if you notice you're getting in a heated argument and you can come to, can you, like, halt and ask yourself those things? Can you, like, drink some water, eat some food, tend to yourself, and then reapproach that conversation? Um, And I think it's really important to pause before we're speaking, which is really, really, really hard, especially when it's heated. And then another tool that we've been working on this last year that I think is super life-changing is active or reflective listening. So when someone is talking, not interrupting, which is hard to do, (laughs) not thinking about what you're going to say next, but really just like listening, when they're done, say like, so what I'm hearing you say is... And repeat back what you heard to them. And then see if that's correct, if there's anything they need to add. And then, like, what do you need from me? Like, what is a request you have from me for this? And that really helps to make sure that you're understanding what they're saying and helps the other person feel heard. And I think a lot of times when we're in conflict, we don't feel heard. And that's why our voices are raising because some need, some part of ourselves isn't feeling seen, isn't feeling heard. So if we're practicing that reflective listening, you're helping the other person's need of being seen and heard be met in that moment. That makes me think of, um, what's the book? A nonviolent communication. I I don't know if you've read it, but like I've read bits and pieces about it, but like the the main points are kind of what you just laid out. The piece of like listening and then maybe like accepting how that person's feeling and then, you know, like asking them, all right, like, what do you Mm -hmm. need from me and going from there? But I, I used to have a really hard time pausing in conversation. I think everyone probably has a hard time with that, but it took me a really long time to be okay with being like, I'm actually just thinking Mm -hmm. about what you said. Can I just have a minute to like process whatever it is that you just told me? Because like you're saying, I used to spend so much time sitting here being like, all right, what am I going to say back to this? Let me prepare my response in 
my head and it, I mean it's like the podcast too I honestly think podcasting has like really really helped me become a more uh-huh. effective listener because you have to listen and then like especially I don't know how you do it but like I don't prepare any questions because I find that it's too scripted and so you like have mm-hmm. to be listening but you also can't be like what yeah. am I gonna say next and so it's definitely helped me in that way and so I just think about that in my in my life and realize that it took me a really long time to get to a point where I would just be like okay I'm gonna think about you what you said for like two minutes and then we can like continue and if this you conversation reflective listening it kind of buys you some of that time to think about how like yeah. as you're reflecting back what someone just said it gives you a, a couple extra moments to process it for yourself and when you're doing that you're gonna start to realize how you want to respond a little bit more instead of like just saying the first thing that comes to mind you're steeping with it for a moment you're buying some time but it's also again totally totally valid to say like I'm gonna need a little more time with that and taking your time to respond well yeah and because some things like don't hit right away I know that there's been times where like someone will say something and I actually like that stings a bit I'm like oh like that kind of hurt and then it's kind of oh I can tell that didn't land well but also like maybe that's not how they meant it um and it kind of took a minute to actually let that digest and be like oh I like kind of understand Mm -hmm. what you mean now instead of reacting right away in the moment I actually just did an episode on people pleasing because I definitely have a habit of people pleasing and I think a lot of it too I find myself and I've really the podcast has held me accountable for this on a, a deeper level is like I tend to just like smile and nod and agree with some what someone's saying as I'm processing you know it doesn't necessarily mean like oh I believe this for myself or I like advocate or support for this but it's like I tend to like process information that way and I feel like when people see like a head nod or like open body language they will share more what they're saying um which is something to, you know, you know, take note of because I want to be intentional about what I actually do agree to and don't and accurately articulate that through my words. But it does take me time on that spot moment. I'm not always saying what I believe to be true just yet. Is there like a specific area in your life that you find like communication to be the hardest? Because I know like, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but like I know for me like my family is kind Mm -hmm. of a sticking point and maybe that's for everyone but like communicating with my friends honestly even communicating with myself has gotten a lot better communicating with people that I love but like my family it's like I'm like does that ever get better (laughs) well I think the thing that's tricky I mean for me I will say family and relationship like partnership are the hardest um I think on one level it's because they're often our most intimate relationships um even if you have like closer present day relationships with your friends there's this like difference with family you know it's just like friendship is is more chosen so it's like we're together because we want to be together so I'm like showing up how I want to but family it's like we were thrown in this together there was never that like huge choice element so it's just a little bit more raw but I think communication particularly in when it's in old relationships and when it's with family 
like as we're growing and evolving, if I start communicate different, communicating differently, so like as a people pleaser, if, as I have started communicating differently and setting different boundaries, it's like now I'm showing up in this relationship in a different way than I have for the last 30 years. So that's shocking for mm-hmm. the other person to be receiving that. And like, they're like, wait, that's not like, we know how this is supposed to fit and that doesn't really fit right now. So there's resistance and there's tension. Um, and the way I kind of think about it is it's like almost like an earthquake happening sometimes like that's that soil's got to be broken up so that this like new space can lend in and form. Um, and like both people or multiple people need to be willing to receive it. But it's also important to remember that like you're not responsible for how someone receives your boundary, your information, your communication. Um and that do you have like I know you said the like the pause and response but any other like tools in the moment or like Mm -hmm. honestly just in general to get to become a more effective communicator because I'm also curious about like the language that you use within those conversations I know you've said a few things like how much do you think language matters when we're like trying to like puke out what we Mm -hmm. (laughs) what we need to say I'll go over a couple like tips first and then lean into language um I think one of the best tools we have is writing like if you're really in an intense situation or moment like do this before you approach this conversation like try to write it out and give yourself that time and space to process it for yourself I think that is super cathartic, super therapeutic, and can really help you formulate formulate in your head these intense emotions. Um, I'll even practice saying really hard things out loud, like learning how to set a boundary or like say no, like practice saying it out loud, practice it in the small moments. So don't let like, you know, people pleasing is what my head is on. Like don't let your pattern of agreeing to things Um, don't try to break it in the most intense moment. Like maybe try to break it when someone's like, what do you want ramen or pizza for dinner? Maybe you're like, I actually want ramen, even though you can tell other people want pizza, like say what you want in these small moments, build that muscle so that it's stronger. So that when, when you're in a more intense conversation, you're, it's not as scary. It's still going to be scary, but you've worked that muscle up. Do you have people pleasing tendencies like in those small areas of life as yeah. well? <laughs> the ramen and pizza thing is like a real life example from another week. You're, you're like, oh, that actually yeah. happened last week. <laughs> and I was like, I like oh, even said it funny. to them, like, wow, I'm proud of myself. And I was like, I know y'all wanted pizza, but I really wanted this. So thanks for letting me be comfortable with you enough to say what I wanted. <laughs> talked about that halting which is a great tool like checking in with your basic needs pausing before you respond I too like to bring a hand to my heart or like somewhere that feels comforting if I'm like feeling something really hard or heavy holding my hand to my heart as I communicate can be really grounding and helpful um and finding the breath you know like finding a point of contact finding these grounding elements and again welcoming a pause if you need it in conversation and that reflective listening um 
Language is super important. Uh, I'm actually reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, which is all about like what words, what emotions actually mean, because we have so many misconceptions. She's amazing. Um, And I think it's really important to remember that like when we give things a name, we take away their power. Like if I'm feeling this really intense emotion and I don't have the language for it, it's big. It seems bigger than it is, right? Because it's like bigger than I can grasp. But if I can give it a name, that helps me to better be able to process and understand. And it makes it seem not as big as and scary as like a monster in the closet. Um, So having the language to like actually process how you're feeling is the first step to then be able to communicate it with another Um, and then I also think like really basic, maybe these aren't basic, but like really it's important to remember when you're talking to someone, don't say like, you made me feel X, like say like, when you do X, I feel Y, like don't, don't say that someone else is doing the doing, focus on how you're feeling. And I have really found that like some people, I used to do this with my grandmother when I wouldn't know how to handle her. I would just start explaining how my body was feeling when she was doing something. Because someone can't argue with how your body's feeling. It's like, oh man, like if, if she doesn't understand the emotion, I can say like, or if I don't understand the emotion, I can say like, oh, when you say that, like it really makes my chest feel tight. Like my heart starts racing, my throat feels tight. And like, it just... Like, if you start talking about that, it's helping you embody what you're feeling and experiencing. It helps the other person see what you might be feeling as well. And it also kind of like, they're like, whoa, I didn't, (laughs) like, I can't argue with what you're telling me you're feeling in your body. And like, this is kind of tripping me up. So it almost creates a little bit of a pause in that conversation. Just now when you, you're talking about like, um, your throat and your chest and like how you're feeling, it kind of made me think about your, your episode Mm -hmm. on grief. Um, and I'm wondering how can you communicate with people when they're grieving? Um, I know that's maybe kind of a tangent, but my Mm -hmm. dog actually just was put down last week. Um, so sorry. It's okay. But like my mom, you know, she's like really struggling right now. Um, And I've never experienced grief. And so like, as someone that may I assuming maybe you have experienced grief, if you Yeah, you talk on it. And so I just came to my mind. And I'm curious, like how you can communicate with people in those situations, maybe when you don't know what that Mm -hmm. feels like. Um, Or like, you know, when people are, I don't know, like, there's different phases of life. um, And like, obviously, sometimes like life is just not going the way you want it to but like how to be there for someone because you never know what to say like if someone says like oh like I lost my friend or this you know I lost whoever it's like okay I'm sorry but then where do you go from there so I think first of all you can take pressure off yourself because nothing anyone says is gonna make it any better you know like it it happened it is it's permanent um and the people grieving know that like nothing you say can make me feel better right so there's that element um another element too and I think this is where vulnerability and the importance of it comes in is like we will all experience grief The timeline might be different, but you are grieving right now. You just lost your dog. I think that's 
such a hard grief because society doesn't give it as much voice like for some reason we act like it's not as important as a human but it's also the soul you spend every day almost every moment with it's hard and in that episode when we talked about grief litza williams who is an amazing grief therapist and founder of what co-founder litza williams and eleanor i can't remember eleanor's last name um they have an online community in a book called what's your grief so if you're someone who's grieving definitely check out how the wise one grows we have an episode with them and check out their work they're phenomenal but everyone grieves differently and often the person grieving it we don't want to put on the person that's grieving having to reach out when they need help like i know i i do this a lot i'm like let me know if you need anything but if we're in like a deep grief, a deep pain, we might not know how, what we need or how to communicate it. So I would never say like show up to someone's doorstep unattended, but maybe you like drop off a candle and some chocolate or um, just showing that you're there by just like physically showing up. Maybe it's just like sitting with them silently, you know, that helps. I've heard a lot of people, um, share that like ask them to share stories about that loved one a lot of times people think like you don't want to remind them of it maybe but like of course we're still thinking about it so like hold space for them to like celebrate that person with you in the present moment bring that person that thing that they're grieving into the day-to-day and we grieve more than just like physical losses we can grieve that job we didn't get or that like partnership that didn't turn out how it want to that life we didn't have that we thought we might there are so many things that we're grieving um that are beyond maybe what we traditionally think about so if we can connect on those other things and hold space for one another in that I think that's really key as well mm-hmm. yeah I I guess I like that you say that there's different levels of grieving and like yeah that like that job that you didn't get like it's okay to be grieving it too it's okay to be a type of grief yeah yeah Yeah, I guess I yeah I guess I've never considered that like grief I've just considered it like I guess just like sadness like upset or disappointment but I guess all of those emotions are connected to yeah to grief yeah so yeah um all right well is there like any tools that you have I guess also for becoming more self-aware in these moments because I know that becoming more self-aware within like your own life to then be able to communicate is fairly mm-hmm. important so this is where it's going to circle back to just the root of mindfulness and establishing some sort of meditation and mindfulness practice for yourself I think it's really important to think about it as like, it's like going to the gym. We need to strengthen that muscle. So then when you like see someone's like, like stuck under a rock, you can like pick the rock up and help them out because your muscles are strong enough. But if you hadn't been going to the gym, you wouldn't be able to lift that rock, right? So like, it's an unreasonable request to ask of yourself to just be self-aware in these really hard life moments because life is really hard without practicing, right? And without building that muscle. So start small and make it easy, Um, my go-to tip for a way to integrate this into your day today is like when I first started meditating, 
I would set my alarm for 11 minutes earlier. I just love the number 11. I don't know why. And I would go get my cup of coffee. I would come back in bed under the covers and set a timer and sip my coffee silently for 10 minutes. And that's how I started practicing. So make it small, meet yourself where you're at, but give yourself the time and space to get to know you, to get to know your thoughts, to engage with your senses and cultivate mindful awareness. Um, And know that it's going to be a constant lifelong practice. So it's not like I meditated for 20 minutes every day for the last month. Like, I'm good. I've got mindfulness down. I'm going to tackle life. It's like, no, no, no. We're going to have to keep showing up every single day, multiple times every day, like every moment of every day. And we're going to mess up. And don't beat yourself up when you do. Just remember that you get to begin again. Every moment you get to choose what you want to be about and how you want to show up in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a powerful thing to, to say, though, the choice. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot, actually, is that like we we actively do have the choice every single day to like be mad about something or to be like hurt or just whatever it is like we have we have the choice and uh, I was just at um just kind of a tangent but I was with my my friend and um he took the like front of his car off because he backed from like a light post um and like in that moment part of me was like oh my god like how like how is he gonna react because because I've done that before and so like in my heart and like I know it's not the end of the world and like I know that it'll be okay um because like everyone's crashed their car but he has never done that before and so I was like oh my god and he was like okay and I was like okay um and he just like chose to be like great I can't do anything about this um and I was just like really impressed by that that like there was no like anger or anything it was like and that's I mean, I'm not going to say that's going to happen in every moment in your life, but it was a pretty cool thing to just see that, like, he just chose mm-hmm. to be okay with it. Um, and he could have chose to be angry about it. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's just a little story I had about No, it's a really choice, powerful but... one, and that's, like, a great example of acceptance. It's, like, that happened. There's, like, no way around that. I don't have a time machine. <laughs> like, that happened. Yeah. So let's choose how we handle it because that's where we have control. We don't have control on what already happened. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I guess that's the whole, like, we, can choo- we can't choose what happens, but we can choose how we react to it. I guess there's, like, a million ways to, to yeah. quote whoever, whoever came up with that, <laughs> whoever said that. Um, well, I do want to be respectful of your time. So if you want to tell everyone where they can find you, that would yeah, be amazing. Yeah, so if you want to stay connected, you can listen to How the Wise One Grows podcast on all the podcasting places. Um, you can follow at How the Wise One Grows on Instagram, and you can follow me at Holly Zazier on Instagram as well. I'm sure this will all be in the show notes for you too. Um, and don't hesitate to reach out. You can send me a message on Instagram. Um, and my website links are on there as well. So I'd love to stay connected and just be here for mindful support as we're moving through this life together. 
you so much for tuning in to another episode of the blue rose podcast if you guys are loving these episodes don't forget to subscribe on apple music and spotify you can also find me on instagram and youtube at becca blue rose where episodes are also released with video individual episodes with just me are released every tuesday morning episodes with guests are released every thursday morning i am sending you guys good vibes and we'll chat soon